Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. When we think of leadership, we typically think of bringing others together and working towards a common goal. However, leadership actually starts with leading ourselves and leading ourselves well. Unfortunately, many of us carry around limiting beliefs that prevent ourselves from actually leading ourselves well. So today we're really excited to have Gila Kurtz, dog trainer and owner of Dog is Good, on to talk about what it means for it to have self-leadership in our lives, how we overcome those limiting beliefs, and how we break free from the things that are holding us back to reach the goals that we have for ourselves and our business. Let's get started. Yes, thank you so much, Colin. It is exciting to get this chance to speak to you, particularly on this topic. Um, my name, as you already said, is Gila Kurtz, and I am one of the co-founders of a company called Dog Is Good, which is a lifestyle brand for the dog lover. And uh, we were we've been in business for a little over a decade, and throughout that time, I have done quite a few things within the pet space. Um, but the the genesis and the involvement of that company really uh, originated from my role as a professional dog trainer which is something that I still do today, believe it or not. I um, focus on puppy development and supporting families who are bringing new pups into their household. And this was, oh my gosh, well, I've been a trainer for over 20 years and um, was at a continuing education conference for dog training when I was in an exhibit hall and saw a vendor selling t-shirts. This particular vendor was selling t-shirts that all looked the same. They were white They said, I love my, and they had a particular dog breed on it. And I remember standing there for a good couple minutes thinking to myself, like my brain was turning. And I, as I was thinking, I was uh, realizing, you know, I do love my dog, but there's something a little bit more profound than just, I love my dog. Hmm. And the shirts were not something that I was going to wear. And I was trying to figure out like, you know, what, what would it be that would express truly uh, this relationship that I had with dogs in a way that was also um, classy and fun and uh, whimsical to wear. And I returned from that conference and had a conversation with my husband and we decided, you know what? The pet space was already starting to grow. There was nothing in the pet space specifically for the human at the other end of the leash. And so mm-hmm. we made it our mission to focus on the dog lover and um, create products that made it possible for them to share with the rest of the world how much they love their dogs. And we've been doing that now for a little over a decade, about 12 years, selling wholesale into retail stores all over the country. And um, we have a pop-up shop program that started a few years ago. We've since launched a completely new division specifically for dog lovers, nonprofits, and existing service-based businesses, such as pet sitting and dog um, walking, dog training, grooming, et cetera. And we also license the brand to manufacturers who use our designs on their products. And that's a way for us to also get our messaging into distribution. And that's what we've been doing. An awful lot, it sounds like, uh, and it really is the it, it really is an interesting space to be in because there is an awful lot of passion behind it, passion from the pet care professionals and and passion from the pet owners, and trying to merge those two, whether that's with brand or whether that's 
um, merchandise and trying to communicate that to them as well as trying to how, how do you communicate that passion through the things that you wear, things that you use and things you do in your life. And it sounds like right where you're kind of moving right in that space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, one of the things that I believe wholeheartedly is that technology for the past decade has made it possible for us to connect, to communicate, to um, expedite our processes in terms of communication and, and the do via email and all the social platforms. And yet at the same time that we're so deeply connected through that those mediums, we are as people more disconnected than ever before. And so the relationship that we have with our dog has become even more significant because, because of this um, need, this human natural need, whether it's conscious or subconscious, uh, there's this need to feel um, connected in a, in a more um, emotional way. And the the line that we create and the, the community that we've built is to um, create conversation around that. Um, and in essence, it obviously makes people feel great. And anytime you're um, elevating someone's emotional state and reminding them about this relationship that they hold in, with such high value, um, you know, it makes for great opportunity to grow and to connect with others. Right. Well, and being in the pet care space, you can come alongside your pet owners and help them in that process of helping them in that communication process, connecting on a better level with their beloved pet and talking to them about concerns or problems that you have and recommendations that you can give to them because they're interested in giving the best care possible. And you're able to, again, come alongside them, partner with them through that process and help them enjoy their pet more by the services that we are providing. Oh, 100%. Um, You know, in the pet sitting industry, dog training industry, dog grooming industry, um, I think it, uh, part of it is a paradigm in terms of how one views their role within um, the contractual relationship that one has with a client, right? So yeah. we can show up as a dog trainer or we can show up as a consultant. We can show up as a pet sitter or we can show up um, in a consultative way. And uh, when you come from a place of expanded, expansive service um, and over-deliver uh, to the, to the customer, and it's a great way to grow your business. Right. Well, and on that business, kind of moving to talk about leadership of self and a little bit about self-motivation and some things along those lines. And I, I find it odd, and, and so I want to pick your brain on this, how it's easy for me to set goals and, and things for my business, but not for myself, right? There seems to be, always be a hitch in there of like, okay, I can plan for the next 10 years of where I want my business to be. But when it comes to planning on next 10 years for where Colin's going to be, uh, we may make it next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you for sharing that. And that is such a great, not only observation, but a great, you know, question. Well, you know, why is that? Um, and, and that is very interesting. And statistically, 97% of the population has no clue really what they want. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in our businesses, it's very easy to see, um, hard data and make, um, predictive measures based on what we know to be true for, for business, you know, how to market to get more customers, get more customers grows revenue by X. And so it seems more quantitative and um, the goal, goal setting can be a huge challenge for, for many, many people. The, to me, the definition of uh, self-leadership is the ability to just influence oneself Mm. and 
forward progress in the direction of one's specific goals and desires. And so the biggest challenge in that is if you don't have a specific goal and a desire that is like this burning desire, if you don't have vision for uh, your life and where your business fits into your life, uh, it's very hard to um, pull together the core elements of self-leadership, which is habit formation and the discipline to follow through. Yeah. And I, I feel like that the that self-leadership, uh, that, that kind of feels like it dissipates through adulthood. Like my daughter really knows she's going to be a princess astronaut. And that is like the one thing that she's <laughs> going to be for sure. Love it. Right. <laughs> and we all, I feel we, that we all, is brilliant. Love it. <laughs> yes. It's going to be the best. Right. And she, it, it, it feels like that we can kind of get wayward as we go through life and as we take on responsibilities. And we can get confused about how we bring back direction to ourselves. Yeah. And part of that has to do with the experiences that we have along the way. So your daughter, who I want to support in her dream to be a princess astronaut, that is amazing. Um, If you think back to our childhood, we all had uh, dreams of something similar or something like that. And then along the way, someone told us, oh, uh, you can't do that. Or we had an experience in a classroom or with a group of friends that um, you know, made us feel less than or something. Things start to occur that uh, throughout our uh, childhood on up through about eight years old and then throughout our teens and into young adulthood uh, where we start to develop uh, limiting beliefs. And unfortunately, these limiting beliefs are not super present on a, a conscious level. You're not fully aware of them, but they are your operating system. And so um, by the time we reach adulthood, uh, if you look around and you're like, ah, oh, like, why am I not getting to this place in my life or in my business? And what seems to have, you know, why is it things start to go well? And then all of a sudden everything goes to crap, right? There's so many underlying reasons and many people uh, are not familiar with um, the deep rooted work of growth mindset, of neuro um neuroscience and the impacts of uh, our subconscious mind and how it controls the thoughts we have, the feelings that those thoughts create, and then the actions that we ultimately take or don't take. And uh, so that's, that's kind of that reason, that reason why, and, and it really does boil down to, I guess, a, a burning desire for what you want. So it's, it's, it was fun to hear what your, your daughter wants to do. You talk about that buildup of limiting beliefs over time, whether that's through experiences or through interactions with people that start talking to you about what you can and can't do. And I love that word, that phrase that you use, it becomes your operating system. It becomes just how you start viewing and taking in and interpreting the world around you. So how how do we start to break free from those limiting beliefs and start reprogramming that system? Yeah, that's a great question. And step number one is you have to be aware. You have to suddenly sit down or have this moment in time where you become aware that where you are at is truly not where you want to be. And you have to be able to ask yourself the right questions. Well, how did I get here? What were the decisions that I made over a period of time that resulted in where I am today? And, um, you know, there's a quote actually from a book, James Allen. It's it's an old book. It's written in old English, very short book. It's as a man thinketh. And in that book, he says, um, there's a passage. I uh, can't remember the whole quote, but the last part of it is this. He, he thinks in secret and it comes to pass. His environment is but his looking glass. 
And what he is referring to there is that thoughts become things. Whatever you are thinking, ultimately, you create in your reality. Many times, you're not aware of what you're thinking. And um, it is the, the first step in beginning to identify the limiting beliefs is just this awareness that there is this gap between where you are and where you want to be. And uh, the process of breaking through that is to identify, well, who, who do I need to become in order to get that? Because, um, and, and that may be determined by your own um, self-analysis, or it could be determined by, hey, who has what I want? Who's already achieved? How are they? How do they show up? What are the things that they do? What are their basic habits? And then uh, developing a plan, putting, you know, developing a strategy to um, begin to shift uh, that thinking process and noticing um, when old habits start to um, start to, um, you know, show up again. Yeah, that two-step process of of going, okay, who do I want to be, but also who am I who am I right now and why why am I mm-hmm. that way? And I feel like through last year, many people had their identity challenged as a business owner. Yes. Because we I saw many people go, Well, I'm no, I'm a dog walker. I am a pet sitter, I'm a dog trainer. What do you mean I can't do that anymore? And all of a sudden they were grappling with what does that mean for me to not have that in my life and trying to take these steps to figure out, okay, if I don't have that, who am I? You just bring up the best points because that is such a critical thing. So many people become what they do. And that is a very different thing than just being who you are and getting to do something you love right? That can support your dreams, et cetera, um, that way. And, and that is a paradigm shift. And so I completely understand why so many people, um, you know, deer in the headlights moment throughout COVID-19, uh, uh, now what, you know, and, and you're right that it, that it become, it, um, the business became who they are as opposed to being a part of the life that they are choosing to live. And that's very different. Yeah, it is. And that's a pretty scary step to figure out that who you thought you are this whole time isn't. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like that just shows, you know, you used that word earlier of growth. That shows that growth potential where you can start taking small steps forward to to figure that out. And, and I think that that takes a little bit of retrospection, figuring out, looking back across your life, and then a little bit of, you know, allowing yourself some space and time to to dream and to look forward to things. Yeah. And, you know, during COVID-19, my observation was that there were really two schools of people. There were the people who um, felt completely lost, stressed, anxiety, chaos, fear. Who am I? Now what am I going to do? That camp. And then you had the other camp of individuals who were like, oh, well, cool. Now I get to step back for a second and uh, get reacquainted with what I love. And who I am, and what's possible, um, and uh, innovate and be creative, right? And so it's so interesting how you can have collectively the entire world got to experience the exact same thing. And yet, through that process, you got to see how people think. And, um, and that's where I observe people is, you know, listening to the words that they're choosing to use and their perspective on things uh, will tell me, you know, what they're future path 
is going to look like in terms of their success, uh, in terms of accomplishing the things that they want to do. Um, but it's it's interesting. And so paradigms, it's, you know, it's how we think. Again, going back to that operating system. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Susan from The Pet Gal has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. So when you when you look at those people and you look at the kind of language they use, what what effect does language have on where we're going to end up in our view of self? Uh, everything, um, everything. You know, the words that you speak are produced based on the thoughts that you have in your head, and that coming from somewhere. So if the immediate, you know, we'll just use COVID as an example because I have to. I would have to think of another example. Um, <laughs> And think harder about it. Oh, I'll give you an example. Um, I know someone who is uh, looking for a job. They've been looking for a job for, I don't know, feels like over a year. And um, the language that they share with me is, um, you know, there's just no jobs out there. Uh, no one's hiring. Uh, no one's going to hire somebody who's in their 50s. Um, I, I'm struggling. I, um, those kinds of words versus, um, Hey, you know, who do I know that might know someone, um, who, uh, there's something out there for me. It just, the the right thing hasn't shown up yet. And, you know, so it's just very, very different ways of looking at things. When, when COVID came about, um, literally within a week, you know, I had a lot of colleagues in the pet space. I had many, many conversations throughout the first couple of weeks with um, heads of other companies and things like that. And there were a lot of people that just, as you probably experienced as well with your, within your own community, the fear, the, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm so anxious. I feel so depressed. And I was like, I, I literally, the first words out of my mouth were, well, what's possible now? What's possible? And every night before going to bed, that's what I would ask myself. I wouldn't try to answer it. I would just ask myself the question. And so in doing that, in seeking answers from a place of possibility, um, created a whole new division that we're launching right now, which is taking um, the future of our company in a completely new and more productive and positive direction than I could have ever imagined. But it's the language that we use that shape the... um, the way that we interact with the world around us. Yeah, you know, I, re- I really like the way you put that because it's not necessarily the fact that you know words manifest things in the world, but they tend to manifest thoughts in yourself, and then you react and you respond to that in the world around you. And so that's why the language we use to describe ourselves. I mean, I think we've all had a friend or knew somebody at school who said, you know, I'm. I, I don't know anything, right? I'm I'm too stupid to do this. I, I'll never learn this. I mm-hmm. can't get through this, right? That mm-hmm. that I'm no good at math. I'm I, yeah. Right, yeah. I could never do that. 
What, what that does is it just becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy of each failure, each thing that's not 100%, each not success. I'm not even going to say failure. I'm just saying they didn't quite succeed. They, they yeah. re, It reinforces that belief. And then eventually you just stop trying and you just don't have that effort behind you. Yeah. Well, and, and it goes, uh, that's very, very true. And so the question becomes, why do some people become so easily defeated at the first sign of failure, the first sign of a challenge, or the first sign of an obstacle? And why do others go, oh, shoot, there's this big rock in the road. Um, I got to figure out a way to get around that. And they do, right? Um, it goes back to knowing what one wants. Yeah. And having this burning desire that is so it, it, that it's so strong, it's going through your veins and a unwavering faith, whether you have proof around you or not, that um, this will come to fruition. You don't may not know how and you don't need to know how that you just believe. And then persistence is the other ingredient. And it's something actually I do a thing on um, through our groups called Monday Motivation. And I'm going to be talking about persistence today. Because without that, um, most people fail. That's where most people um, fall short. They don't push through the uncomfortable. They don't embrace the They uh, And whether it's I'm not worthy enough or I'm not deserving enough or um, see more evidence that things just don't work out for me, you know, whatever the perception is within their heads um, is the, the reason why they will not get to where they want to go. And it's so easily. Um, uh, there's there's an easy remedy if people are willing, but people have to be willing to do the work, right? They have to be willing to one, acknowledge that they might have some limiting beliefs that are taking them in the wrong direction and then be um, an awareness and a desire to make some of those changes. Um, You know, growth mindset is not something that everybody engages in. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think when you start assessing where you are and then that where you want to be, Sometimes whenever you realize, oh, I'm not there yet, it's an immediate failure, right? It's like, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be, so why even try, right? Why even bother? And, and you said that. You said, you know, they don't want to work through the uncomfortable. Like, it is, it's real work. And I think that that is sometimes we get lulled into this sense of security, especially maybe if we've been successful in what we thought we wanted to do our entire life. And then we realize, oh, it either gets taken away. Or we realize, no, this isn't actually who I am to try and backtrack and rework another route in our lives to what we actually want, what's actually going to be beneficial to us. But, but that's work and that, that does take time and, and that's hard, right? Cause I got, oh, I have to be patient and, oh, I got to do the same thing tomorrow. And it gets, it can be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. If you look at any successful person, any successful company, I always try to help people put this in to um, make it relative. Yeah. Not one of those people that you might be viewing as successful um, did this overnight, right? Mm. They did not achieve their success overnight. Um, everything takes uh, work and, and grit and the willingness to, as I already said, you know, push through the uncomfortable. I would like for you to break out a little bit more about what are the components of leadership of self and how we can recognize the need for growth in those? I think self-leadership starts first in knowing, again, it always goes back to knowing what one wants. I'm of the mindset these days where I don't, I will come up with things and, or decide that I want to do something for myself. And if I don't, 
I don't even worry about how I'm going to do it (laughs) because I know there is somebody that knows how to do it. And I'm great at asking for help. Um, So there's that piece, knowing what you want, but having the strategic resources or plan, having a definite plan that you can then implement. But the two core ingredients, I think, are the discipline. You know, you got you got to be disciplined to follow through. And discipline is, to me, doing doing things for real, even when you don't want to do them. Um, that, that that you be that you are impeccable with your word. If you're yeah. saying to yourself, I'll, I'll use fitness as an example because people always bring this up. If you're saying to yourself, um, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym and start going to the gym, and you wake up and you're like, Ugh, I'm tired. Or you're going to run. Um, and, oh, wow, it's sprinkling outside. I'm not going to go. That's not discipline. That's not being integral with your words. That's, again, at the first sign of challenge, at the first sign of discomfort, you weren't able to push through. So there's the discipline. And then there's the habit formation that has to be there as well. All of those things um, are integral in terms of leading oneself. I got to know what I want. Um, I got to do it. I'll give you a, a quick example. I just started doing 75 hard. I don't know if you know what that is, but no. it's um, it's actually a challenge for the mind, even though people often think it's a physical challenge. And it involves um, working out twice a day. One of the workouts has to be outside, 45 minutes each, um, reading 10 pages of a personal development book, um, drinking a gallon of water. And uh, taking a photo of yourself to track the progress. I think I got it all. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, one of the nights I had forgotten. I still had like half a gallon of water I needed to consume. Half a gallon. It was like nine o'clock at night. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. And I drank all the water. I drank it all. Um, And of course, you know, all night um, taking care of that. But I was just committed. It'll be easy not to do this right now, um, but I said I was going to do this for 75 days, and I'm more than anything going to prove to myself that I do what I tell myself I'm going to do. Yeah. No, that's that's huge. And when I, you know, I hear that, I think of like external and internal motivating factors for ourselves. And I know for us, you know, one of the things that we struggle with is just telling clients no, right? And when I say no, I mean no. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go back on that. And how many times we end up going, okay, well, this one time, okay, you can do, you, you know, we'll do this late thing, or you don't have to pay this time. And who are we holding, you know, as a business owner, as as the on the wonderful road of entrepreneurship and and running our own business. We are accountable to ourselves, and if we can't hold ourselves accountable, how can we expect to hold anybody else accountable for their actions? Of, you know, if we're not doing it for ourselves, one hundred percent. And that starts with really um, having clarity around your values too. Mm. Um, if there, I, I can see where that might happen a lot um, in the business, or like even in my when I'm doing puppy training, let's say, or if somebody's, oh, I got to cancel. Can you reschedule? Da da da. Uh, the only time I welcome the canceling is when it completely. Where I'm like, oh, I, I wish I didn't have to do this tonight because I have so much else I got to go on, you know. And uh, the universe always hears me and delivers, and so I'm like, yes, um, and we'll <laughs> reschedule. But, but at the core of it is, you know, what are your values? And in the pet sitting industry, dog training, any any of these industries, to me, what is the client onboarding process? And is this discussed? Is this part of the conversation in the onboarding process? Um, and and sharing with them, hey, I want to share with you why I do what I do. So I always 
tell people why I do what I do. They have to know that I'm so committed. Um, number two is, um, let me, I want to also share with you some of my values in ensuring that you have an exceptional experience with my service. And boom, 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 boom. And if I was pet sitter, I probably would have it in a contract that they sign and they're aware. And then when they come up with the thing, you could say, oh, I so know um, that you're struggling with that. And unfortunately, I'm just, you know, I, um, I'm unable or time does not permit me right now to do what you need me to do or whatever it is. You just stick to it. And the more you start to stick to it, you end up very aligned. Uh, your values are aligned. Um, which makes you feel good. And the more you start to do it, that becomes a habit. So then your boundaries don't get crossed and you don't get thrown off and you don't feel frustrated um, and, and you stay in alignment with what um, you're going to be. And I, and I think that, you know, by stating that right up front in your onboarding process, that it really helps to um, set the expectations for the customer. Yeah. It does. And again, you are offboarding that process from yourself, right? And now all of a sudden you're externalizing what the client has to go through and it's not relying on you. So if you feel like, oh, I can't always be consistent or sometimes I waver, blah, blah, put it all on pen and paper, you know, black and white so they can read it. And then it's, you know, you don't have to worry about saying yes or no. It's already taken care of for you. And I love that you sit down and you even explain part of your values to your clients. And I think that's a process that many of us actually don't do or might, or maybe don't even know what their values are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is kind of, it's unfortunate because a lot of people not only don't know what they want, truly what they want, like what three years from now their business is going to look like and their life as a result of it, or what their life is going to look like and how their business fits into that. They don't have clarity on that. But the second piece is to what you just said is they don't have clarity around their core values. Mm. Um, I think it's critical to share with any customer, first and foremost, why you do what you do. I mean, the moment you're, see, they know you're walking dogs um, or, or sitting uh, while they go out of town or taking them in um, to use your services, but they will be more um, uh, committed customers when they know why, mm. when they, when you're why, uh, when you lead with your why, you build a much different relationship with your customer. And then if you share with them your values, it, it will set that expectation as well. I think many of us have heard, oh, I have to know my why. But I think what, you know, listening to this and hearing you talk, it's like it does so many things for your business, right? It doesn't just uh, give you purpose, but it gives you concrete understanding for each one of your actions. It actually brings control back to you and it helps you better connect with your clients, especially if you're sharing it with them and having it on your website or on a contract, right? And then you're building that relationship and they get to know you and they, they, they can, they, they know that they are supporting somebody that they, that they believe in. That is the essence of it. What you just said right there. It's a very different relationship with your customer. I will share with you. Um, I have been training puppies for well dogs for over two decades. And about nine years ago, I decided I just want to focus on puppies because they're, I just love them. And I really am helping families. I want those dogs to stay with the family, right? We know we can get them early. That, that um, increase, the rate of that will increase significantly. So, um, but, but in building the dog is good company, 
very busy. And so I would only train like here and there, just randomly if somebody, you know, called, um, I would take that on. Um, but this year with COVID, as many trainers are experiencing, I've had an influx of massive calls and in training. And I, and of course, um, I've been enjoying that wholeheartedly. But what's interesting is that I don't have a website. I don't have any kind of online program. I don't have anything that would even indicate that I train puppies. But my book is beyond full to the point where I'm training someone to um, help me ultimately. And that comes from the way that I onboard, Mm. the process that I take people through um, that whole experience. It's not just training the, the puppy. And then the off you know, offloading, I hate to say it like that, but but the closure of the um, training or the the work that we're doing together that expands into this massive referral opportunity. And, um, you know, so those are all processes uh, building in, but it's because I lead with those things and I bring it up and I get excited about it and they they get connected to it and they do, they want to, um, they want to help you out. Yeah, they absolutely do. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, you get excited about leading with your why and you're staying up late to drink a half gallon of water. Has has this been easy for you? Is this something that came naturally to you or over the years? Yes. Uh, Yes and no. Okay. So believe me, there's like, I am perfectly imperfect, just like all of us are. Um, But one thread of my being is that I am a disciplined person. So Mm. when I say I'm going to do something, I, I am going to do it. Even if it means, oh my gosh, I have to stay up late to finish that off because I promised it. Or I said, that's just been always relatively easy to me. Yeah. I I think that discipline, and I don't know where that came from. I don't know. um, I, I mean, it could come from, I'm thinking back to my childhood. Uh, so driven to always be that, um, you know, good student and, you know, who knows what limiting beliefs are going on there or what um, operating system that that is. Coming from. But it's it's this uh, I'm driven by achievement, you know, and uh, I know that I have to follow through with the things that I'm doing in order to make make things happen. Yeah, I, I think that there are definitely people who are are born with that drive and then there are people who have to learn that drive and have to learn mm-hmm. ways to build systems have support to do that and and i think that just that just goes to show that it's a process for everybody right nobody's perfect right yeah. <laughs> it is well and so to the, what you just said which is interesting um which is also something i feel very strongly about like that is my weakness i am not a systems person i am mm. a visionary a person. I am a um, visionary and a doer, but I'm not a detail or a systems person. And so with that in mind, in order for things to work, like if it's business related, um, I have to surround myself with the people who are, that's their area of genius, right? That's their zone of genius. Um, Otherwise, like I would just mess it up, you know? (laughs) So you got to, you know, knowing what you're really good in and just staying trying as much as possible to stay in that zone. It's not always possible, but as, you know, as, as much as you can staying in that place of where you really, um, where your best work happens. Yeah. And, and I like you, you rephrase that a little bit of going, it's not that you have to all of a sudden become this really driven person or become somebody different. It's lean into your strengths 
and then mm-hmm. see who else needs to come along. What pro, you know, what pro, uh, you know, SOPs do I need to bring in here? What software do I need to be on board? Because I need to be operating in my strengths and staying true to myself, so I'm not getting over here and doing things that you know I'm not either passionate about or I don't really want to be doing. One hundred percent. You just nailed that oh. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Are you a member of Pet Sitters International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. After the tumultuous past year, having the support of a strong community and direct access to educational resources and business tools is more important than ever as we rebuild our businesses. PSI is here to help. With a free monthly member toolkit, monthly bonus resources, online trainings, private member group on Facebook, and more, along with group rates on insurance and background checks, PSI is the one-stop shop for everything you need for your pet sitting or dog walking business. As an educational association, PSI believes that if you know better, you'll do better and invites you to join thousands of other like-minded professionals who are committed to offering the best possible pet care services and elevating our industry. If that sounds like you, visit PetSit.com PSC to learn more. Our listeners can save $15 off your first year membership by using promo code PSC15 at checkout. I think we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I did want to come back to it and talk about how self-leadership, how does that help us be a better leader to others and those around us? That is a great question because without your ability to lead yourself, you are not worthy of be, of, of followers mm. end of the day. Mm. So um, it plays a huge role. Your ability to follow through on the things that you say that you want to do um, creates a uh, confidence. It creates your uh, empathy because you're experiencing things. Um, it provides, um, put you in a position where you can be a source of inspiration to others. And, you know, to me, the leadership is, um, for me, anyway, my definition is uh, basically being a lighthouse for others and illuminating the path for them to step into and empowering them to shine, basically. That's, to me, the way that I like to lead. And, um, and I can't ask others to do things or expect people to follow through if I'm not doing those things myself. So it starts there. But, you know, where people get caught up is they try to think of all these things that they want to start doing for themselves in terms of self-leadership. And if they just pick one thing, you know, what, what is the one thing that you really want to hone in on and drill down on for the next 90 days. I mean, this year is going to pass no matter what, like we're all going to turn the page on December 31st. And so um, you could do any one of a million things in in terms of improving your mindset or improving your physicality or improving your communication skills, whatever those things are, pick one Mm -hmm. and drill down and become a genius at that. If it fits into your vision if it's something that you really want and um, and give yourself baby steps. Doesn't it, you don't have to be a hundred percent. You have to be um, 50% or 51% or more. Right. <laughs> and you're going to make progress. Yeah. And that's, that's so important. Again, setting these realistic expectations again, when you go through that process of thinking and discovering who you are and then who you want to be understanding that that's not going to be an overnight process. 
and then just picking one thing. And and you said, you know, do it for 90 days. And the time frame on those kind of things is so important because if you go, now I have to become that. And I guess I'll just do that between now and infinity. All of a sudden it's really daunting. And, and you can yeah. you can do and 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 put yourself through just about anything in for 60 to 90 days because you know that there's an end to it. Now the hope is yeah. you're going to be making incremental improvements so that by the end of 90 days you don't even recognize that person at the beginning. 100% and every time you're making progress forward, you're getting your brain gets a dopamine hit. The more dopamine hits your brain gets, the more um, it is likely to become a long-term, very deeply ingrained habit. And it's also like, um, have you ever seen motocross? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the motorcycles. Um, I was at a tournament once and watching all that. And you know the deep grooves that they get and as they're riding those motorcycles around? Well, um, those happen be- from the repetitive cycling through that, these, these grooves. And it's the same thing in your brain. The the thoughts and the actions that are taken as a result of those thoughts begin to build these nice little grooves inside. And that's where we just, that's our go-to. That's our go-to. And what we need to do is make it so that like over time, the dirt just starts to cover that section up and you're creating a whole new groove based on your new repetitive actions over and over and over again. Yeah, what seems impossible from where we are right now becomes manageable, becomes totally doable, becomes just who we are, right? And being in mm-hmm. it for that process and having that persistence to make those grooves. Mm-hmm. And getting help, you know, seeking out a mentor mm-hmm. who's done what you want to do and uh, an accountability person. You know, if, if you tend not to be accountable to yourself, uh, be accountable to someone else. They'll hold you accountable, right? And part of this self-leadership is is recognizing where we want to be and what we need to do to get to that. And I, I know in business, sometimes that means changing services uh, to get to where we want to go to, to realize some of these goals. So y- you've talked about it a little bit, but I'd, I'd love for you to tell us more about some of the exciting things that Dog is Good has been working on the past several months and that you've got coming out. Ah, thank you. I I am so excited about this. I can't even, I cannot sit still. Um, it is, the vision that we have for what we are creating is enormous. And the reason for that is it's, um, it's our desire and our commitment to create a vast movement over time of uh, changing lives one dog at a time. And empowering people in that process to be that conduit to positive change. And so when COVID first hit, well, let me back up one sec. We have had since 2017 a program in our business called the Dog is Good Pop-Up Shop. And this is a basically a business opportunity for dog lovers who wanted to um, collaborate with our brand and basically have a mobile boutique that they set up at local events. Um, in businesses, at retail stores. So it's, you know, it's a mobile, but it's all fully outfitted with the Dog is Good products and brand. And uh, that was just, that was so much fun. And I just love the community that we were building there, very tightly connected. And um, it was, it was really growing. And through that process, we started to get people reaching out to us, asking how they could collaborate with the brand, but not necessarily in the mobile pop-up shop capacity because of the amount of inventory. It looks like a store. So, you know, it's it's a bigger investment. So 
we were just kind of mulling around some ideas. And um, when COVID came about and everything shut down, my husband, John and I, who's John's my business partner, also partner in life and partner in business. And we were like, you know what? This would be the perfect time to really create a, um, a, a new relationship-based sales channel and create something that could be that would serve not just dog lovers, but also nonprofit organizations and existing service-based businesses that were getting obliterated because, you know, uh, due to COVID. And uh, I also, in my early 20s, had a very successful experience in the direct selling world. And so I was like, you know what? This is it. This is the best way to connect with the, with um, dog lovers. And so we put together the infrastructure for this. We are in currently soft launch, pre-launch right now. So the systems are being tested. We are not fully advertising this just yet, but we are bringing on brand ambassadors and super fans and have created this unique, um, there is nothing in the industry like this. It's a pure hybrid of um, direct selling. Um, through the pop-up shop program and through our, um, what we're probably going to call the Bolo Barktique, which is a small um, sample set that people can be um, using as displays and, and driving people to their websites that they're getting. Um, we are uh, launching with the Dog is Good Lifestyle products and bringing out the second pillar right now, the pet health, wellness, and nutrition and lifestyle products. We will be bringing out a third pillar um, that is around services. And then ultimately a fourth pillar will be experiences. So the longer term vision is building this um, global uh, movement uh, in support of people, you know, and be, and uh, helping people turn their dreams into realities through their passions and love that they have uh, for their dogs and to collaborate with the brand to make that possible. So we're very excited about it. Um, so yeah, that's what we have going on. And you know, one of the the your core community, the pet sitters, are a wonderful group of individuals to consider this as a additional revenue stream for their existing business. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to that early vendor that you were at in your training days uh, with the uh, kind of terrible T-shirt, and it didn't really scratch the itch of the passion for pets that you had and that you saw around you. And now hearing what you've built up and what you're building to, going okay, what what about a holistic approach? to being not just a pet owner, but a pet lover? And then how can we empower those in the pet care industry to be a part of that and to help their clients, uh, again, care for their pets the best way that they can? Yeah. And our our core focus is really just building community, contribution, and delivering an opportunity that um, can change lives one dog at a time. So absolutely. So you're currently in the soft launch of of this system and, and everything that you've got going on. Uh, it will come out in a couple more months or beginning of early next year? So currently, people can uh, collaborate with us and join our movement in this early pre-launch, soft launch period. Things are not perfect. I tell everybody we are building the plane as we are flying it. But if you can see the vision and you want to be part of this at the early stages, at that ground floor, early adoption stage, this is most definitely the time to do it. Plus, um, you're getting a lot of uh, connection directly with the corporate. Um, and so that's the role in terms of 
um, we're, we're getting a lot of feedback from the people who are already part of our um, division, and that helps to shape the evolution of what it will look like. And so that's very exciting. We uh, probably will not go into full launch, meaning where we are full on um, blasting and advertising and really building uh, this until... I don't know. You know, it could be fall. It could be early part of 2022. But, um, you know, every day we, we make forward progress. And the thing that's really cool, to be honest with you, Colin, is I was just thinking the other day, like, how cool is this? Like, all this was was an idea. March 2020. Mm-hmm. And see the taking an idea into action into the things and let me tell you not without challenges like sometimes i'm like oh my god <laughs> what have we done I, I, I tell people take stock in madison reed that's the brand i use to color my hair the great hair but um so you know it's not without that but the progress we've made just even in the soft launch and the challenges that we've um addressed learning new systems and getting all those things in place. It's so cool to see that that process. Gila, this has been a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate all of the wonderful advice and, and thoughtful input that you had on leadership of self and self-motivation for us as business owners and just how important that is, especially in these days, in these you know weird, crazy times that we have. And then the exciting opportunity and and stuff that you have going on over at Dog is good, but I know that there's a lot more, and we just covered on you know basically the tip of the iceberg for each of those. So, where can listeners go get more information, get connected with you, and find out all that you have going on? Yeah, well, I would invite everyone to join the Dog is Good Lifestyle Group on Facebook. It's a really engaged uh, community of dog lovers, so you'd be you know involved with them. A lot of like-minded people. Um, if they want to learn more about Dig Direct, um, we have also a private Facebook group called Visionaries Inspired by Dog. And if they want to see anything about Dog is Good, they can just go to dogisgood.com. And if they're interested um, in, in learning more about the pop-up shop, et cetera, there is a link on there that will um, tell them a little bit more about that. Um, People can reach out to me by email if you're listening and anything that I said may have moved you. Um, it's Gila, G-I-L-A at dogisgood.com. And I would also invite you guys to um, check out my book, Fur Covered Wisdom, A Dog Can Change the Way You See the World, which is available on um, our website as well. Awesome. A lot of resources there. I'll have all those on the links in the show notes and on our website so people can click right through those. again. Gila, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed it too. And I'm so happy that we were able to make it happen. My biggest takeaway with my conversation with Gila was the importance of the language that we use in our lives. How when we start describing ourselves or our situations in a certain way, we tend to follow suit with our behaviors, with our actions, with our thoughts. It's when we've decided that we've had enough and we need to break free from those limiting beliefs that have been built up over the years from things that people have told us or we've believed about ourselves. When we've decided that we need to break free of those, the power of language really shines through And that when we start talking positively or in a different mindset about ourselves and about our situation, 
we start acting differently. We start actually realizing that we do have control over some situations and we do have agency in ourselves. And that at that core foundation of what self-leadership is, is recognizing our control that we do have and letting go of the control that we don't. And then sticking to the control. Gila talked about the importance of sticking true and staying true to our word. And we've talked about the importance that that brings to not just ourselves, but it shows others that we respect ourselves and they in turn respect us, whether that's the staff that we have on hand or whether those are the clients that we are interacting with and respecting those boundaries that we set for ourselves. So we really want to encourage you to start asking that question, who do I need to become? And that starts with recognizing where we are right now and knowing that it's okay that where you are right now is exactly where you need to be to launch yourself into who you need to become, to meet those goals, meet those objectives, and start living that life and running the business that you want to be running. We'd love to hear if this is something that you have done in your life and how you have worked through overcoming those limiting beliefs and reprogramming that operating system in your life. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International for making today's show possible. And thank you so much for listening. It truly means an awful lot. And we are so thankful for you showing up every week and listening to the podcast. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon.